Hi, this is Ben Lowell, and thanks for joining us at Back to the Bible Canada. In the program today, we conclude a wonderful series on the letter to the Philippians, the fellowship of the gospel. So let's begin as we turn to Philippians chapter 4, verses 15 to 22, as we go back to the Bible with Dr. John Newfeld. I'd like to give two contrasting views of generosity. One comes from a book, Learning to Trust, by Bernie May. He tells of an Aboriginal people group who, within their culture, never wished anyone well. Furthermore, they seldom gave anyone credit for anything. If you ask someone, who taught you how to bake bread? They would respond by saying, well, I just know. And the reason for this behavior is because they believe that goodness is in limited supply. There's only so much good, so much knowledge, so much love to go around. To teach another means you might drain yourself of knowledge. If you have a second child, you could only love that first child less because of the second one. If you wish someone a good day, it means that you've just given away some of your own happiness. And so it's a rare thing for anyone to wish someone else well in that culture. I mean, how sad that is. Here now is my contrasting illustration. The story is told of a beggar by a roadside asking for alms of Alexander the Great. Alexander threw him several gold coins, and a man riding with Alexander was shocked and said, Sir, copper coins would more than adequately meet that man's needs. And Alexander responded and said, Yes, but gold coins suit Alexander's giving. In other words, how I give is a reflection of who I am. During the last weeks, as we have worked our way through this amazing book of Philippians, We have seen that if this book has a theme at all, it is the theme of the fellowship of the gospel, a partnership shared by Paul and the members of this church in which they partnered together in order to bring the gospel to the Roman world. Let's read the last section of this book one verse at a time. We're starting at chapter 4, verse 15. And you Philippians yourself know that in the beginning of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving except you only. Now, that would mean that whereas other churches no doubt heard about the opportunities to partner for the advancement of the gospel, no other church in that region stepped to the plate except these believers in this church. While Paul was in Corinth and the church was wondering how much of a salary Paul would be making, he refused their giving. And when the Philippian church heard about it, they simply stepped to the plate and covered Paul's salary. And when they did it, they did it out of their poverty. When Paul was collecting an offering to help the believers in Jerusalem, the Philippians stepped up again. But this time, Paul must have tried to discourage them, for he knew how desperate their financial status was. But again, they insisted on giving. And it's for this reason that I have repeatedly said that this church, in many ways, is an ideal church. A church Paul could count on, unlike any other church he had worked with. This was a fellowship unlike any other. So let's notice how Paul has described the fellowship of the gospel in this book. Back in chapter 1, verse 5, he says he's thankful for them, praying for them with great joy because of their fellowship in the gospel from the first day they became a church until the present. And then in chapter 1, verse 7, he tells them how he feels about them because he says they are partakers of grace with him or literally are fellowshippers of grace with him. And there he meant not just the grace of salvation, but also the grace of suffering and the grace of gospel advancement. 
And moving on to chapter 2, verse 1, we hear of Paul speaking about a participation in the Holy Spirit, or literally again, a fellowship in the Holy Spirit. And then in chapter 3, verse 10, Paul is speaking about a joint fellowship in the sufferings of Christ. And then this last occurrence, as we've already read, right at the end of Philippians, he shares openly that he has never had a fellowship in the gospel with any other church in the way that he has shared it with them. And what does that tell you about this fellowship? Well, we must note that, as we did at the beginning of our study, that fellowship is not about having coffee together with other believers after a Sunday morning church service or, or after a Wednesday night home Bible study group. Fellowship is one of the most costly and sacrificial things we can do. It surrenders its own rights, makes sacrifices, submits to suffering, and binds itself to one another, all for the sake of something that is of a greater concern than our own personal safety and comfort. Paul is telling this church, I have never seen this model in a better way than I have with you. And that reminds me of a rather obvious truth. You know, many Christians have prayed for their city or or for their country or even for their world, and it's important to continue to do that. But the demands of the gospel are the demands of entering into a fellowship of the sufferings of Christ so that our city, our country, can be reached for the gospel. See, why did the Philippian church do what they did? And the answer must be because their giving was a reflection of what Paul was saying. They trusted in Christ for their future. And how about you? Does your giving or or does your checkbook demonstrate that you understand that you have a passion for what Christ loves and that you have the mindset of Christ? Or does it communicate, well, that you don't? Let's move on to verse 16. Paul says there, even in Thessalonica, you sent me help for my needs once and again. The words even in Thessalonica rather than also in Thessalonica seems to indicate that what happened in Thessalonica must have been extraordinary, meaning that giving to Paul's needs there must have been especially difficult. So what happened there? Well, according to Acts 17, immediately after having been beaten and thrown out of Philippi, he traveled to the Greek city of Thessalonica, going south down the Greek peninsula, slowly moving to Athens. He arrives there and finds a Jewish synagogue in the city, and there he reasons with them that Jesus really is the Messiah. Then after he's thrown out of that synagogue, but not until many in the synagogue are persuaded, it's then that Paul was making significant inroads into the Gentile parts of that city. But a riot ensued, and the city was set into an uproar, and some of the new converts were dragged before the city authorities and were charged with treason. These men, said the authorities, are saying there is another king besides Caesar, someone named Jesus. Besides, they say, these people are turning the world upside down. And it must have been in the heat of that kind of mob violence and civil uproar that the brand new believers in Philippi, who had watched Paul himself beaten in their own city, instead of cowering, immediately raised an offering and took care of Paul's needs. I think that's what's behind the words, even in Thessalonica, even when you were brand new in your faith, and even when it was dangerous in the extreme. See, here's what I've noticed. Sometimes brand new Christians show an amazing ability to trust Christ even unto death. And sometimes, sadly, People who have been believers for over 20 years still have not freed themselves from spiritual infancy. 
The words, even in Thessalonica, should strike all of us with the demand to examine our own faith to see if we really have come to trust in Christ in all things, especially in our finances. Now to verse 17. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. You know, I find those words interesting. Perhaps Paul is responding to criticism that he has received from the Corinthians. You remember in 2 Corinthians 11, verse 7 and 8, he says to that church, Did I commit a sin in humbling myself so that you might be exalted because I preached God's gospel to you free of charge? I robbed other churches by accepting support from them in order to serve you. Now, he is, of course, referring again to the Philippians. Or think of what Paul wrote to the Thessalonian church. In 1 Thessalonians 2, verse 8, he writes, For you remember, brothers, our labor and toil. We work night and day, that we might not be a burden to any of you while we proclaim to you the gospel of God. See, in both of these churches, the issue of money was always front and center. If Paul is ministering here, some said, he must be looking to get money out of us. All he ever wants is our money. For some Christians, the issue of money is always front and center. Paul is using us for his ends. All Paul wants of us is money, and we aren't giving him our hard-earned money. But Paul isn't so easily intimidated as to stop talking about money. Not that I seek the gift, he writes. I'm not doing this to line my pockets. But I happen to know that when people do not give, they rob themselves of spiritual fruit. And that's the point. The person who does not give does not rob a significant ministry of the funds they need. You know, I've seen this over and over again. God raises up other people who will do the giving. Now, those who fail to give are in fact robbing themselves of the reward that comes from giving. See, all over the world, people are coming to Christ. Churches are being built and growing. God's word is being preached. Lives are being changed. But there are people who will share none of those rewards. For them, a fellowship in the gospel is just too costly. They don't give, they don't suffer, they don't sacrifice, and they never see the fruit of rewards. You know, and when we come back, we will see what happens to believers when they truly become partners in the gospel. As we wrap up our study of Philippians, Paul again reminds us of the overarching theme that permeates his personal letter to this church. It is inspiring to think about the rich fellowship that he shared with this faithful group of believers, so dedicated to spreading the gospel in the Roman Empire. Their sacrifice, perseverance, and passion indeed are examples for churches everywhere to follow. When we come back, we'll see what God promises to those who are willing to give generously for the sake of His kingdom. I hope you've enjoyed today's Back to the Bible Canada message with Dr. John. If you have, I want to encourage you to check out a new weekly video Bible teaching program featuring Dr. John that can be viewed on backtothebible.ca or by visiting the Back to the Bible Canada YouTube channel. And if you want to receive notice each week of a new episode and receive the accompanying study guide, you can sign up online. The first series presented and can be viewed in its entirety is Hope in Dark Times. And Dr. John's second and new series based on Revelation chapter 1 to 7 is entitled To the One Who Conquers and Has Already Begun. So check it out now at backtothebible.ca 
or on the Back to the Bible Canada YouTube channel. For more information or to support the ongoing ministries of Back to the Bible Canada, would you call us at 1-800-663-2425 or donate securely online at backtothebible.ca. When we left off, we referred to the incident Paul faced in the Corinthian church. The Corinthian church was fairly wealthy next to the Philippian church. Furthermore, the Corinthian church was very concerned about Paul's wages. Maybe he's making too much money. Maybe he's only in this thing for the money. So it was all about Paul and their pastor's wages. And so in order to stop the controversy, the poor Philippians paid his wage while the Corinthians were arguing about whether he might be making too much and was just using them. And what did we learn? You know, the Philippian habit of stepping up and giving when others were failing to hold up their end is quite frankly amazing. Instead of complaining about others, they simply gave. And so when Paul looks for a partner to help advance the gospel, who does he partner with? Answer, he partners with leaders. And with that, let's learn a lesson. When we get to heaven, some of us will be surrounded by a company of people who came to Christ in consequence of someone giving sacrificially. Not long ago, I learned the story of a man named Humphrey Monmouth. And once I learned who he was, I realized that all Christians in the English-speaking world are indebted to this amazing man. Humphrey Monmouth lived in the 16th century in England. He's not a theologian or a preacher or a missionary or even a great leader who built churches. He was a businessman who made a great deal of money trading in the fabric that clothed the rich in London's high society. But Humphrey Monmouth had come to know and love and support a man named William Tyndale, the man who was the father of the English Bible. In a time when translating the Bible was illegal, William Tyndale had become a powerful preacher of the gospel and also realized how important it was for people to read the Bible for themselves. But Tyndale also needed food and clothing and a place to stay, someone to pay him a wage, and money to make the Bible available. Well, that's where Humphrey Monmouth came in. When all of England's high society were resisting the spread of the Bible, they were buying from Humphrey Monmouth the most expensive of clothing, and with every overpriced garment they bought, they were actually paying for another Tyndale Bible. You know, when we get to heaven, Humphrey Monmouth will share, along with William Tyndale, in the rich reward that brought the gospel to us in the English-speaking world. And that's exactly the same case with the Philippian church. And that is the same with any one of us who views our finances as a means of furthering Bible teaching and the spreading of the gospel. See, there's a principle here. The one who preaches and the one who gives shares in the same reward. Okay, let's move forward. Philippians 4.18, I have received full payment and more. I am well supplied, having received from Epaphrodites the gifts you sent, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. Look back again at verse 17. Do you see the phrase, fruit that increases to your credit? That's actually a banking phrase. Literally, Paul is saying, not that I seek a gift, but I seek continuously increasing profit to your account. The imagery is of a bank account with compounding interest. It's like going to your financial planner and he shows you a chart that reveals your original investment and it's been compounding so that you've now more than doubled your original investment. The secret of giving is your understanding that you actually can take it with you, but you have to send it on ahead. 
All of us right now need to be investing in eternity. Build up your heavenly account as quickly as you can. You know, but someone's going to say, yeah, but what if I hurt myself here on earth, like the Philippians who actually denied themselves of something they might have had here on earth? Let me answer that question. Verse 19, and my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. Have you ever noticed how much verse 19 is misunderstood? Imagine tomorrow you're in a business meeting with Bill Gates and Warren Buffett. The two of them turn to your colleague and say, we'd like to give you $10 million. Well, you're impressed. Soon you go around saying, you know, Gates and Buffett have promised me $10 million. I'm quitting my job. I'm rich. But they didn't promise you anything. Just because they made the promise to one person doesn't mean anyone can claim the promise. So let's be clear about verse 19. God promised to anyone who gives sacrificially that they shouldn't worry about not having enough. He will supply their needs. Here's our problem. Some of us who don't give sacrificially have been claiming the promise of Philippians 4.19. Philippians 4.19 is a promise made to sacrificial givers who give so the gospel can be extended. That's who it's for. In other words, if you're building up capital in heaven, then know this. God will never leave you in the lurch. You will never be able to outgive God. You may be shoveling your money into the work of the kingdom, but I have news for you. God has a bigger shovel than you. I have never met the person who has given and God hasn't met their needs. But I have met people who are hoarders and misers and they never have enough. So today, if you're a sacrificial giver, God has a promise. He is able to supply all our needs according to his riches. Notice it doesn't say out of his riches. Imagine a wealthy person gave you $1,000. No doubt that gift would come out of their riches. But now imagine a wealthy person gave you a blank check. That gift would be according to their riches. Now, don't for a moment misunderstand this promise. This is not a promise that if you give $10 to God, he's going to give you back 100 No, nothing that crass. It is, however, a promise that for those who partner in the gospel and are committed to heavenly riches, God will not leave you begging bread. He cares for those whose hearts overflow with generosity. And now with those stunning positive words, Paul is ready to end this letter. In verses 21 to 23, he says, Greet every saint in Christ Jesus. The brothers who are with me greet you, all the saints greet you, especially those of Caesar's household. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. These are now Paul's last words in this letter. He wants every single believer in Philippi greeted, and he wants to remind them of the richness of the relationship of those on his team with this entire church. And look again at verse 22. All the saints greet you, especially those of Caesar's household. I can only take that to mean one thing. Paul is being given an opportunity to share Christ with the Roman imperial guard, and consequently, members right in Caesar's household have come to believe. And Paul is saying, yes, you have supported me for a long time, and you may not know it, but your fellowship with me has won some people to Christ you don't know yet. But these people know and have heard the gospel because of our partnership, and they want to greet you. What a partnership. See, what a fellowship in the gospel. See, if you're a generous giver, when you get to heaven, 
You'll be amazed at how many people will call you friend. Thank you, they will say, for giving to the Lord. I'm so glad that you gave. See, that's the thing about a fellowship in the gospel. The consequences of such a fellowship cannot be known until we arrive in glory. And there is no adventure like the adventure of a group of men and women who form a sacred fellowship. When John Knox prayed, Lord, give me Scotland or I die. These people know that through the ages, there have been men and women just like that who have prayed for their city or their country or for whatever portion of the world that God has entrusted to their watchful care. Know this. Enjoy the fellowship that God has given. Become a partner, a fellowshipper in the gospel for the sake of an eternal reward and for the sake of the glory of God. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this marvelous book, the book of Philippians. Thank you for the lessons that we learn. Thank you, Heavenly Father, that when it ends, it makes so much of a group of people who were not afraid to give it all for Christ, who believed that it was a great honor and a privilege to sacrifice themselves and so fulfill the suffering that Christ had for them. Thank you that the names of these brothers and sisters will be remembered in the annals of heaven. And thank you that they're not alone. For all of us who partner together in the advancement of the gospel, share in their reward and in the age to come. In Jesus' name, amen. John, thanks for an incredible series in the book of Philippians. I think it's going to speak to so many people. But as you spoke about today, I was thinking about this whole prosperity theology that's going on and uh, the giving of, of our gifts so that it might be multiplied so we might get more and all this type of thing. It can be harmful if we're not careful. What do you think about that stuff? Yeah, it sure can be harmful, and I agree with you. And the problem with many false teachings is that it's based on a partial truth. It is true that we can't outgive God. It's true that God is no man's debtor, but it is not true that God wants us to live a life of greed, always asking ourselves, what might I do to increase my own bottom line? That's not what God is all about. He's training us to be like Christ. And I think the problem with the prosperity message is that it presents a Christianity without the cross, without the need for cross-bearing, and without the need for suffering. Clearly, the gospel that we find in the Bible is one in which God will supply our needs, but call us to be followers of Christ. Well, perhaps after we've gone through this series together, we'll never think about the word fellowship in the same way again. This has been a great message about the importance of being involved in a partnership in the gospel. We'll never experience true joy and purpose as believers until we're willing to become fellowshippers, as Paul talks about. So today... Let's ask ourselves if we're playing a role within our churches and amongst believers to spread the good news and embark on this great journey together. Back to the Bible Canada, leading you forward in your walk with Jesus every day. The past number of years, Back to the Bible Canada, has been blessed to offer a unique Israel experience. A journey to the Holy Land under the teaching of Dr. John Neufeld, discovering firsthand locations across Israel so prominent in the Bible. Now's the time to plan ahead. In April of 2021, Back to the Bible Canada is offering our next Israel experience and we want to invite you to attend. Plan to join an intimate group of brothers and sisters journeying across Israel under the Bible teaching of Dr. John Neufeld 
Experience inspirational events and activities that will include Laugh-Again's Phil Calloway and very special musical guests, all hosted by the Back to the Bible Canada ministry team. For more information, call us at 1-800-663-2425 or visit backtothebible.ca.